Welcome to the Digital From Day One podcast. Our aim is to build a bridge by creating content that will pique interest, spark conversations, and encourage further innovation that will ultimately build a more informed and prepared pipeline of learners headed for the 21st century workforce. Hi, my name is Brendan Dickerson, and joining as always is Joelle Nelson. Today, you'll be listening to our part two discussion about the Center for Architecture and Design and how students can take advantage of camp architecture with Triad Architect partner, Brent Foley. So, you know, you are very, you know, engaged, you know, in the community, you know, with design development of projects and different work that you guys, you know, are doing, you know, it's just amazing. And I'm loving, you know, to hear about, you know, these different solutions to these, you know, complex problems that are facing us, you know, today. So you are also the chair of the board on the Center for Architecture and Design. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of that work outside the architecture camps, which we'll dive into a little bit later? So it's very hard for me as an individual to, to separate the, the interest in the camp <laughs> from the interest in, in, in the board, and I'll explain why. A number of years ago, uh, I became interested in the idea, uh, you know, I had become an owner of the company. That was my dream. I shared my experience that, you know, talked about how a, a move uh, in from uh, a school district and a social class to a slightly higher social class gave me an opportunity. Uh, and I was struck by the fact that there are others that face more and more barriers than I ever faced, right? And so I became very interested in the idea of, well, what can I first, what can I do to diversify my firm? Because I believe that's important from an ethical standpoint. I believe it's also very important from a, we're better if we have more diverse ideas, we're going to come up with more collaboration. And there's an aging population in the architecture profession that's going to, that the baby boomer population is going to retire out. And we know that the demographics of the world have changed. Um, so it, it started there. And so I just became interested in trying to tackle it. I realized kind of three specific things. Kids growing up in certain communities like me didn't know, don't know architecture as an option. It's even less likely in communities uh, where people are in more poverty that, that they'll know. It's even less likely in communities where the demographics of the profession aren't represented that they'll know. Uh, so we had to we have to start there. We have to first expose kids. So that's how I got interested in camp. Uh, I also believe that we have to figure out how to, to continue to uh, eliminate the barriers when you get to, to high school, higher education, which is how Joel and, I, Joel and I met and some work around that in his previous position. And then that starts to handle the component um, academia, the kind of liberal thinking of the world as uh, ideal, oftentimes are the biggest people who have blind spots towards how what the way they're looking at things are affecting change. We need to change the way the face of the profession looks to change that, right? You don't change that by, you're not going to be able to change that unless you're getting the other ideas in the room, right, together. And so those were the three, my thought was you start with the youngest, because those are going to be the one that, that's going to be actually the low lying fruit is getting architecture. You're going to get kids that are interested um, and then start working on the other one. So that's how I became interested in, in the center because the center runs camp architecture. I'm like, Oh, camp architecture. Maybe I was working with a school district called United schools district at the uh, United schools network at that time, who's still a client. They have schools in the near East side and in Franklinton. I said, okay, I can probably get my engineers, my contractors, and a couple of the other people involved, put some money in a pool, and we can sponsor some kids from this dis- these two schools into camp architecture. And so I met uh, Sarah, who's the, the executive director, 
And I said, hey, this is what I want to do. Uh, I'm thinking I want to sponsor nine kids. They had three schools at the time. They now have four. I want to sponsor nine kids, three from each school, get them in the program and try to continue to do that. And she's like, that's great. You want to join the board? <laughs> and I said, sure. Uh, tell me more. And so then the mission of the center is to promote promote design and architecture. And so we've been a little narrowly focused on architecture in the past. Uh, we've realized that now and we're trying to open it up more to the other design professions. I mean, interior designers have always been involved. Landscape architects have always been involved, um, but planners, industrial designers, graphic designers, experiential designers, we're trying to engage those, those communities as well. And so we promote design uh, in, in the general public. That's kind of what we do as a center. Um, but my main interest has always been camp. Uh, and using camp as a tool to drive interest in kids who otherwise wouldn't be exposed and give access to architecture to those kids. And so um, last year, I always tell this the same way, um, I missed the meeting and then I came back the next week and they're like, hey, we said that you should be the chair. <laughs> and I said, all right, I'll do it, but I'll do it under this condition that we work to make camp free and to increase camp's impact. And they all looked at me and they said, absolutely. And I, I appreciate that they did. And, and so that's what we've taken on. Uh, and so that has, of course, evolved with the COVID situation. Um, the first way it evolved actually before the COVID situation. So what I did, I actually went to uh, AIA Columbus and said, hey, you guys, should, you guys should fund camp through your membership dues. <laughs> and they said, we would love to, but we can't. We got to go through a whole vote, blah, 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 blah. And I knew that was going to be the answer. But they recommended, they said, hey, why don't we get all the professional organizations involved in this effort? So now we have the American Institute of Architects, uh, IIDA, which is the interior design organization, ISDA, which is an industrial design organization, CSCA, which is the graphic design organization, APA, which is the planning organization, and ASLA, uh, which is the landscape organization, all involved in a subcommittee towards these efforts. I'm also trying to get the uh, experiential design folks into that, into that mix as well. That's what the center is globally. That's my main interest in, in camp. And obviously we're facing some challenges. Camp is actually going on right now. Um, we decided to do camp. Traditionally we've held camp at, at Knowlton uh, at Ohio State. And obviously couldn't do that this year because the buildings are all closed. Uh, imagine you guys haven't been back to your offices since any of this happened. Um, and um, so we, had, we faced that. Uh, we wanted to make sure we could do it safely. Uh, and so we are doing it safely. We are, we've complied with all the, uh, the requirements from the governor, uh, as well as exceeded. We actually have uh, Sims who's with Knowlton School of Architecture on our team. And she laid out a plan where we have the kids in smaller classes um, separated. We're doing as much work outside as we can, but we're actually doing it at our space at the Center for Architecture and Design now. So we do camp, we do exhibit work. We do a program called Design Weeks, which is about bringing the different design organizations together. And we just do different, different promotional things for, um, uh, for the profession and to promote good design. And I think, I think that the camp fits into that and making the camp diverse fits into that because promoting good design means promoting more ideas. And we need diversity to promote more ideas. No, that's, that's great. And, and so, I mean, I, you are already going into this. Uh, I know, I can't help it. I told you yeah, I was going to be on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's, and that's fine. I think that's, I mean, that's, that's important to know that that is the, the primary connection. And, and so, you know, what other 
things related to camp architecture and um, high school, uh, um, yeah, high school design studio. Do you want to share with us? Sure. And and in particular, um, you know, the connection with Norton School, how long that connection has been going on. I've seen kind of firsthand how, you know, how that works, but, you know, sharing some more details on that. Uh, and then if you want to even talk a little bit about high school design uh, studio perspective, like the technology that's involved in yeah. that. So like, you know, if a, if a young person right now, middle school or high school is interested in, in, in architecture, what is something that they could potentially get their hands on now that could kind of further that um, interest? So some, thing, some things about camp. Um, so we were, like I said, we were able to run camp this year in COVID, during COVID. We were not able to do high school design studio this year. And that was simply because we just didn't get enough. Uh, we are trying to figure out a way to do something digitally with some kids, the, the couple kids we did get interested, um, but we just didn't have enough kids to make it financial, financially viable. Um, so the big, push, the big push right now is to subsidize camp as it had existed pre-COVID, which was three weeks of camp uh, with three different cohorts and two weeks of high school design studio um, with, um, with just one cohort. Um, so we want to, we, we want to focus on first saying, can we make what we're doing free? And then can we, in that effort, also eliminate any other barriers like transportation, meals, and those types of things that get in the way. And then our, uh, and we're, and so we've called on the different design professions to do that. Um, so those different organizations that I just named have all joined the subcommittee and we're, trying to figure out a way to gather how to subsidize camp because we think it's, I think it's incumbent on those organizations who are promoting the future of their profession to be promoting the future this way. And so we're, we're in the middle of that effort. Simultaneously to that, uh, a couple of our folks on that subcommittee are uh, Knowlton graduates and they're Knowlton graduates of color. Uh, and they formed a loose organization of Bolton graduates of color who are, who are intending to provide some, advice uh, on how to make changes institutionally uh, to help promote um, students of color in their institution, uh, which we know all the, every institution is looking at right now. And so what's kind of nice is that there are actually a couple of them are on my subcommittee too. Uh, so one of the things they believe in is camp architecture. And um, many, of, many of them who are on this loose organization have been counselors at camp architecture. So camp architecture uses Knowlton students traditionally as the counselors and professionals. Uh, and so a lot of these, a lot of these kids that I say kids, a lot of these young people uh, that are in the profession are interested in camp and see camp in the same way that I see it there. And so that's, that's interesting. So Knowlton has always been very gracious to us. Um, they've always, pro they've provided the, I think in the first couple years, camp was done in the center space, but for a long time, Knowlton has provided the space. Uh, Knowlton has financially, uh, contributed to it. I know right now Ohio State has a spending freeze as well. So we weren't able to, to benefit from that this year. Uh, but they've always financially contributed. Tamika, who is a Knowlton professor, is our, our camp director and a member of our board. Um, so it's always inherently been very connected to Knowlton. I know that there's leadership uh, changes happening at Knowlton right now. Uh, we're working to connect with the, the new, uh, the new dean and understand her position on camp, and hopefully it remains the same. 
Uh, I think it will. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so that's been the connection to to Knowlton. So I think to your to your other question, I think that if kids are interested in architecture now, I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't know if SketchUp is still free. SketchUp used to be free for a long time, uh, and then you know, just like anything, if it gets it's something that gets uh, popular, they try to monetize it. But I, you know, SketchUp is a tool that actually many architects do use um, for visualization. Uh, I think there might be some like less expensive student versions at the very least. So SketchUp would be a great way to start. Uh, I, I still believe taking old school drafting classes and model building classes are also great ways to learn about architecture. Uh, you know, um, it is interesting to see young people coming into the profession who haven't learned those things and the way they look at things differently um, than people like me who came through the older ways. Uh, I was right on the cusp. I was, I was a foot in both worlds. Yeah, but I think, I think those, those softwares and technologies uh, would, would be great. Can't think of anything else off the top of my head. But one thing I wanted to circle back on was the other thing we're doing with camp right now is, is also purposefully making sure that it's about all the allied professions. And so I've recommended and the subcommittee supports this recommend, recommendation that we rebrand re, re both as Camp Architecture and Design, High School Architecture and Design Studio. Um, and that I, the idea then is that it, it reaches all of, the, um, all of the professions. We also know that parents sometimes select for their students by gender, which profession they think they should be pursuing. Uh, the, sometimes they'll put their boy students in architecture camp and they'll put their, their girl students in, in interior design camp uh, or something like that. And so if we just call it camp architecture and design, the kids get to go there and then decide what they like, <laughs> uh, regardless of those things and those biases that might be brought to the table. So that's, that's another part of the effort for us is making sure that we're being more inclusive, not just in race and gender, but also in the professions that we're, we're lumping into this because they're, they're, they're related. It's all about buildings and the built environment and how we interact with buildings. And that's what we want. So if you know, my one, one more question I want to end on with, sure. um, in particularly talking about young people that are coming up in their interest in the profession is where do you see, uh, kind of circle back around to something you were talking about early, earlier on in our conversation, virtualization, right? So do you see there being more investment being done in that kind of um, experiential way of doing architecture? So like, you know, now we're, you know, is there, you know, or is that just, you know, uh, good for some things and maybe not good for others? Or, you know, what, what do you see in that, in that space? You know, because, and you saw it, we, when we the work we've done together, yeah. um, that is, you when the, the eyes light up when they see yeah. that right <laughs> so yeah. in terms of you know middle school students and high school you know so and i just wonder what, what do you see being in that in that arena what what does virtualization look like so i think obviously you know you're getting we're getting into the realm of of trying to predict the future so you always want to be careful to say that you i think first um i think um like many things it will become a tool in the toolbox. I think that there will be a pendulum swing where it becomes very popular and more pushed, uh, but then people will realize 
that sometimes the traditional tools are actually the right tool for the job um, and that the, that it'll it'll become another part of the equation. I equate it to the same thing we're thinking about when we think about office spaces moving forward, right? I, I don't think that everybody that can will for now forever work from home, right? I just don't think that that's what's going to happen. I don't, and I don't think it's a, it would be a good thing, you know, for us. As, so we have some property and we're looking at developing a new office in Franklinton. And the timing of this made us reevaluate what that office looks like, of course. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be hybrid. You're going to have people, there's going to be activities that you do that are geared towards being at home. There's going to be activities you do that are going to be geared towards being in the office. And inside the office, we need spaces for activities that are team, activities that are individual quiet, activities that are one, a couple small people, a uh, group of people. Um, and so I think that that's where it's gonna go. For the same, I think the same thing would happen with, with the virtual technologies. I think you're right, kids get very excited about it. Um, but I, what I see, and, and it's usually people just a little younger than me, is there's, there's a group of people who have been exposed to both. And so they're able to see which tools work better for different situations. And I think that that's the way it's gonna go. Um, there are gonna be times where the virtual tool or the augmented reality tool is exactly what you need, right? But there's gonna be times where it doesn't make any sense to use. And like, you know, there's gonna be, you know, how do you accommodate for being able to do a napkin sketch, right? With somebody when an idea comes up. Now, maybe you'll do your napkin sketch on your phone, right? Maybe that'll be, maybe that'll happen. Right, rather than having to draw it with a pen on a napkin, but I, I I think it'll be a mix, and I think it'll I think it'll pendulum forward and then kind of bounce back out, just like every technology that comes along. I don't think it'll be like uh, like Ready Player One or or one of those uh, those things down the road where uh, or the Matrix or whatever. I'm aging myself now, but I do think I think we'll learn a lot from it. Um, I'm hopeful that what's also going on in the world and the broader social discussions that were happening will help with that because it puts things into context, right? How do we use these tools to make a more just and equitable, equitable world? Now that's a really interesting question, right? And which tools are appropriately used in that realm? and How do we think about that? You know? And so I kind of think about all these things in a continuum, just the way my head works. Um, but yeah, I think that that's what I see. happening. So you're saying we're not living in a simulation though. <laughs> <laughs> I can't guarantee that. Well, I, I, I do know that my reality is different than your reality. That's yeah. just the way life that's is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it depends, depends on, on what you mean by simulation. Right. That's true. Especially bringing back that matrix reference. I don't know which, which pill I took. I <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, it's uh, Bay have never watched the Matrix, though. True, right? That's that's whew, that is a uh, yeah, <laughs> that is a sobering uh, uh, thought right there. But uh, absolutely, Britt, we appreciate your time. I uh, appreciate your time on this Friday afternoon, and uh, we are excited. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, when we first start talking about doing this, having this conversation with someone. Uh, that's that's an architect was kind of like is that you know 
<laughs> but having knowing you and knowing you know Jonathan and others that are kind of doing this kind of work, and I was yeah. like, it's it just makes sense, you know, because I've just ha- I've had these conversations with these folks, and I know that it it's it's all connected in in some kind of kind of way. So I, I appreciate you bringing that uh, to the table and and the work that that uh, Triad is doing with um, kind of bringing the impacted audience to the table to talk about what the design will eventually look like, you know, I think that's extremely important. Yeah, um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that the way I define equity in the profession of architecture is a profession that is representative of the community it's designing for, mm-hmm. meaning um, that the the racial gender divide is is separated so so that one represent one is not represented in a different way than it is in the in the place. So that when communities are designed, they're designed by by people who understand the socioeconomic cultural references of those communities. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to find what we need by equity, right, yeah. uh, and by justice and those things. And that, in my my lens, architecture profession, that's where I've decided to dedicate myself. So. Good. Well, we appreciate that. We appreciate your joining us today and giving us that background and, and, you know, and appreciate your journey. Like I said, from comic book, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, engagement all the way up to uh, our comic book intern, all the way up to, uh, to uh, partner in the same firm. I think that's a, that's something, you know, and and being from, you know, uh, East side of Columbus. And I think people have to understand and see that that's a possibility. Um, And that's, you know, um, and and so, so yeah, again, thank you. No, I just want to just, you know, really just uh, add to the sentiments that uh, Joel just stated, you know, I'm just overly just, you know, impressed by the work that you're doing in the community. And also, you know, with the camp too, um, just learn about that and, you know, how you're impacting and planting the seed, you know, in the future for these uh, younger uh, generation uh, coming forward. So, I'm excited, you know, uh, what's going to be coming uh, within the Columbus community. I know uh, with the students that you guys have been working with, you know, there's going to be some great things happening. Lost words on because, you know, this is really cool. And I know we could definitely could kept going on as well, too. But uh, thank you again for uh, taking time out of your day to speak with us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Digital From Day One podcast. Make sure to visit our website at go.osu.edu forward slash digital day one. That's the number one where you can find out how to subscribe, more information about our guests and more information about our team. As always, we love to know what you think. Use the feedback form on the website or shoot us an email at digital from day one at osu.edu. The one is actually spelled out here or simply give us a rating on iTunes. And we'd appreciate if you tell a friend about our little show here too. I'm Joel Nelson, along with Brendan Dickerson, and let's continue to make the connections to Opportunity Stronger. Until next time, everybody.